Recording in progress. Okay. It's going to be a great time. Oh, boy. Okay. Does that sound interesting? Damn, I look so good. Right, let's just wait. You ready? Four hours later. Dear tech. Oh, laughing hurts. Hello, Dear Tech fam. Welcome to another episode of the Dear Tech podcast, where we discuss the tech workforce, providing transparency through experience and expert insight. I'm Fran Grader, and this is Shubal Ghosh. Hey, Shubal, how's it going? Hey, Fran, it's going great. Um, I really uh, enjoyed the the call that what we're going to share with the, uh, everyone today. Um, Dave was able to go into a lot about uh, his journey, and I think it was just, I mean, aside from all the cool information that we got, it was just a really cool story um, based on everything that he's uh, he's gone through. For sure. And for everyone who's listening in, a little bit of backstory. The reason I actually originally wanted to have Dave on the podcast was, I actually don't know him very well, but we connected um, at one of my previous companies because I was so impressed. He was an intern at the time. And I was so impressed by him being proactive in terms of building his network and reaching out. Like I had no previous interaction with him. He had solely just reached out to me as a recruiter in the product space to gain my knowledge and connect and ask questions. And then not only that, how he leveraged LinkedIn and building his his brand on LinkedIn and connecting with people and really utilizing that platform to his benefit was so impressive. Um, I really wanted him to be able to speak to those experiences and share it with our audience because I think so many people will find value and be able to benefit from his experience. Yeah. And just from like listening to the way that he approaches situations, you see like his philosophies are a little bit uh, more open, like he's very open to to experiences and, and stuff like that, which I thought thought was really cool. And I really liked uh, the way he was able to describe like working in product. Um, and I think that that's something that because I do have friends that are in product, and sometimes they say things that go over my head, and sometimes they don't. But I think he was able to make it very relatable uh, for people that want to get into um, that part of of uh, tech. Yep, one hundred percent. And I think in addition to that, not only his experience coming to the U.S., getting into school, building his networks at school, um, his experience seeking out internships and jobs. Um, what other good nuggets do you share with us? Well, actually, well, we we helped him decide if he, where he wants to move next, right? Like he was because oh, yeah. he's trying to make some decisions, um, and he. Job. Yeah, we we went we went a little bit all over the place. We talked about some some side hustles, some vending machine businesses. So it's it's a bit out there, um, but I think overall it was it was a lot of fun, and I think people are gonna have fun listening to it. Yeah, I think it'll be a, a huge value add in so many different ways. So we're excited for you all to listen in. Let us know what you think and enjoy the rest of the episode. Dave, you're so you're in the you moved to the bay. I just did. It's been a month, a month and a half now. Wow, how do you like it? And started a new job. And started a new job. It's been getting me to the new job. It's been it's been pretty great. I I'm enjoying the bay so far. Yeah, I'm still kind of finding my footing, thinking where I'm gonna go next. You're with your already brother looking, out there too, already... right? Sorry, what? You're oh, I should move this closer too, huh? Sorry. You're a good friend. Let me figure out my. I never know how to use this arm very well. Can you hear me well? <laughs> oh no. 
Yes, we can. Can you hear me well we, enough? We can hear you. Oh, sorry. Um, now I forgot what I was saying. You moved with your brother. Is that what I was saying? Right? Yes, I did. I did. So I'm, I'm ending my first house. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. We're in, older, younger. We're in the... He's older. He's like one and a half years older. I feel like me and Fran, are, we both are very curious and our curiosity is just going out. Um, so she asked, where in the Bay? Where in the Bay? I'm in San Jose. Down, down San Jose. Mm. Oh, I'm an idiot. I should have known that because you're at Yahoo. <laughs> yeah. Well, assuming you didn't have like a crazy commute. That's not the case anymore. Yahoo closed down the San Jose office, I think a few mm-hmm. months back. Mm-hmm. And now TikTok has that office. Our new office is in Mountain View. And mm-hmm. we also have one in San Francisco. Oh, I totally didn't know that. Okay, how far is that from you? Like, how far is your commute? Uh, Martin is like 40 minutes on a good day. Mm-hmm. And like, <laughs> I, went. I, oh. I was here last summer, last July, and I visited the San Jose office. It was beautiful. Yeah. I'd never been to either. So I think we talked about this, Shua, but that's how I know Dev is. Um, when I worked at Yahoo 2 for a hot minute, he had, I looked, correct me if I'm wrong, Dev, and I literally think we only even talked like one because you'd reached out to me to put time on my calendar. And so I was a, Shuba, I was a re- recruiter at Yahoo for about two years. And Dev was in his internship program there and reached out to me just as a recruiter to like connect and talk about his role and his resume and like future career path. And then I started following you on LinkedIn and your whole like branding and like messaging it was super cool i loved how you were like super proactive um just in terms of like taking advantage of opportunities and that's how we met i remember that i remember that i also remember the fact that i did not reach out to you on the internal slack i messaged you on linkedin even before oh. i actually started it was I just remember like that oh. part um, I was I was just going through it yesterday after like I was preparing for this podcast. I'm like, let me see when I started talking to her and I saw yeah. that message and you were kind enough to like tell me about the recruiting side of how do you, how does the whole recruiting work from a recruiter's perspective, which I had no idea about because like yeah. normally given day, we are not supposed to talk to recruiters after getting recruited. Mm, yeah, yeah. How did you, I don't, I don't even think I even know that. How did you initially connect with the internship with yahoo like it's some was there a recruiter that reached out to you yes there was um i don't think she's with the company anymore she kind of just mm. exited a few months after getting me on mm. but she picked me up and then i went to one of the apms in the targeting team mm-hmm. and she picked me up and then i went to the manager that's geo and that's how mm-hmm. i landed my yeah, that's so cool. That's wild. And this was while you were, this was what, like your junior year or your like your third year or fourth year of college? That was or my master's. Sophomore year. Sophomore year of undergrad. Solid. Very solid. So you, okay, so that's actually, that's a very decent transition. So from uh, India to the US, yeah, if I'm correct? Yes. So what was, let's, let's start with, uh, actually, okay, I'm going to break script. I want to start talking about <laughs> Uh, your badminton so state levels so under 19 yes okay yeah how tell me she about that journey when he saw that 
Yeah, because I saw I read badminton. I was like, everyone plays badminton. Then I saw for the state level. I was like, oh, this guy, this guy's actually good. All right. So back in the day, back in the day, we used to play professionally. I used to like train six to seven hours a day. I was Holy trying to go heck. Nash. It was it was intense. It was a commitment, and I loved it. We won states. I was in the national team, but around that time, I had an injury. I tore my bicep. There's a thing called bicepital tendonitis. And that kind of kind of put me out for nine months straight of just out on a therapy to start working my hand again. And I retired after that. But I started playing again at college. And it's been pretty good. There's actually, I think I've played more badminton in California than I did in Illinois. Wow. Wow. Okay. That's yes. so cool. Well, the weather's better. So it's it's easier to play outside. Yeah. Definitely. Not today. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah in just, illinois just, you get three months of three months of playtime and that's it a year that's that's about it badminton is an indoor sport you might be surprised to hear that oh that's true i guess yeah yeah, yeah. well i feel like olympics everything is because my exposure is olympics right like that's where okay. i see it but i feel like most sports are almost indoor even though like yeah it makes sense did but, you, uh, did you yeah. play any sports francesca did I she played, played a lot of sports soft up through my sophomore year until I got too many concussions and then I stopped playing. Ouch. But that it was, happened. yeah, ouch. <laughs> it was fun though. It was a good time. Good experience. Like, what? I'm still friends with all those people. Um, okay. Like, what position did you play? I was playing center back. Center back. But how I got a good, good amount of my concussions because I'm so tall, I would go up for corner kicks. And okay. that's how I got two of them. Got punched in the head by a keeper on one. Oh. That, that sounds like That'll do it. Yeah. That's I wild. know. It was a, that's so wild, though. Um, so, go ahead. Oh, no. I was going to say, so, 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 um, Dave, were you, was that your initially like, your goal, like career wise? Like you wanted to play badminton as a profession? Hmm. I, huh. That's that's an that's an interesting question. So first of all, I'm I'm in eighth grade, I'm in seventh grade. So for me, career is not that important of a factor. But badminton is not necessarily a sport which you can make a career out of. Not mm. in India, it's, it's not back in the day. And I don't think I was that good, for sure. I was I was decent. I was doing pretty well. I was hardworking, but I was definitely not the best in the game. There were a lot of good players, so it was not a career choice. But I was doing it competitively religiously i like to have passions so my dad put me onto this we started with skating and we went pretty ahead then we switched to karate then we switched to badminton and badminton we stuck to for like a good amount of time he used to come with me to every coaching session it was like hours at a time it was a commitment but i loved it that's awesome that's awesome that's super cool um and the, the reason i asked a career question was because you said that coding wasn't your initial uh passion and so um i guess uh moving from i guess a sports realm to you know you're right eighth grade you don't think about career but i feel like maybe in india a little bit though you do because like your parents do so when when did you pick up the <laughs> the coding or when did you pick up the you know technology bug or what was the transition so i picked up stem in seventh grade actually um we used to have these coaching classes called Fiji. So there's this exam called IIT. 
it's one of the most difficult exams in the world. A lot more competition. It's very difficult to crack. And people normally start in 11th grade, that's high school, or 9th grade if they're trying to be early. I just started in 7th because I was trying to do it with my brother and he's a couple of years ahead of me. So I'm like, I might as well go. So I started the whole STEM thing in 7th grade itself. Did that for all the way till mid-11th. Till then I was focused on staying in the country, going to the best school in the country. And I think somewhere in... October of 11th grade, I had this change of thought. I'm like, I should go out. There's there's a really, really big world out there. I should go out. It was not the United States. I applied to five different countries. I applied to US, Australia, Canada, Singapore, and Hong Kong. But it was, oh, wow. a, it was a really long process. We just narrowed down over here, and now we're here. It was a butterfly effect. Wow, that's crazy. And how long was your brother? Was, was there a gap between when your brother moved out here and you moved out here? My brother came here for grad school, so he came here last year, but I came here for my undergrad. I came here in 2019. Mm-hmm. I came here, here first. I was, I was. I welcomed him before. He came to Champagne before he went to Berkeley. So that was nice. I'm, I'm, I think I'm very fortunate. I never expected both of us to be in the same place at the same time ever again yeah. after he moved out for undergrad. I just thought we'll probably meet. We'll have vacations. There's no way we're going to live together. But things just worked out in our favor, I guess. That's so cool. And you haven't killed each other yet after a month in. <laughs> it, that's a that's surprise. Our parents are surprised as well. <laughs> oh, that's super funny. Um, can you tell us a little bit more in detail? Like for anyone who is curious about um, internships, and education in the U.S. or other countries, like a little bit more of what that process was like for you and applications and research. Hmm. So I come from a a comparatively smaller city. It's called Varodra. It's in western part of Gujarat. We did not really have a lot of exposure. I myself, I had only stepped out of my country once before. I went to Denmark for a student exchange program in ninth grade. I was the first one in my family to get a passport. So the lack of awareness was the biggest hindrance. Mm-hmm. Once we get past that, and to get past that, it was just like hours and hours of work. You just look online. You talk to as many people as you can. People who actually go out of the country to pursue their undergrad. I think mm-hmm. the de facto methodology is you do your undergrad in India, come out here for grad school. So you just pay one year of tuition and the return of interest on that particular capital is a lot because you just start earning after a year of investment. But for undergrad, it's four years. It's 240 grand. That's a lot of money. Oh, Lord, yeah. Yes. Once it converts, once it converts dollars to rupees, it adds up so yeah. much. Oh, my God. It's too many zeros after the number. <laughs> so we're there. So it sounds like it was... For you, it was connecting with other people who had like already been on that path that you were able to like learn from them. And then outside of that, were there any other like online like tools or resources that were most helpful for you that you found? Um, I feel like I use Khan Academy a lot, and I think it's mm. it's a very very famous resource. Everyone knows about Khan Academy for everything. So I did that. I did a bunch of practice papers for the SATs. Because we don't really learn SATs or APs as a part of our syllabus. They don't 
we have to like go separately to give those exams out of our way. But I also gave a couple APs to get, excuse me, to get, get ahead and go and get, get past calculus and physics, just things like that. Crazy. So that was really, really helpful. And I was just fortunate enough to know about it ahead of time. A lot of my friends who came to the SIDS did not even know about APs or proficiency exams or the fact that they can actually get a head start on things, start a bit faster, go and alternate paths than the coursework which the university provides. And and what was uh was that did you were you able to find all that out like from like searching online or did you like make a friend who had come here before you to the U.S. or like how did you at least about AP AP exams like where did that because you're right in India I don't think most people don't know about those so where, where did what was your resource was it also Khan Academy like what where did you hear about it from um first of all I looked looked up online of course that's a thing but I fortunately had someone who was an year ahead of me from my same high school and he went out to UCLA so he was a very good resource because he knew about these things beforehand he could just tell us about the process which he went through and the exams which he gave and the timeline which he followed which gave me an idea upon how I can move ahead with what I have planned out obviously my paths looked a bit different because I was not just targeting the US I was targeting four other countries with it so for instance um, for the English proficiency exam, I gave the IELTS rather than the TOEFL. TOEFL is what I would have given if I was coming straight here. But I wanted to keep my options open, so I gave IELTS. And there were a few more exams for different countries. But mainly it was just that friend, that resource, that was really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. Knowing people who are going through the same thing which you're going through, that helps a lot. Mm-hmm. I think that's so true in like all aspects of life, but... Obviously, in, in your, that specific scenario, too, 100%. Um, what? See, another, I think one item we were, so when you um, transitioned for, and moved from India to the U.S., what do you feel like, um, in hindsight now, were some things that you wish you knew that you didn't know when you moved over? Mm-hmm. The first thing, the first thing, I wish we had like, I wish I had known we had washers and dryers over here. Mm. I don't know why. Back home, we just like dry our clothes on clothing lines under the sunlight. So I brought a lot of clothing rope with me, thinking I will have to dry my clothes in my room. Yeah. That was pretty fun. It took me, it took me a moment to get over that. Oh, we have dryers. We don't need to do that anymore. Yeah. That was Especially when it's like snowing and freezing in Chicago. It, it gets, it snows in Chicago. Urbana. A lot. Okay. Yeah, a lot. Okay. A lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, so the most part of the year is the snow. I think winter okay. starts, yeah. ends in March. That's how it normally yeah. goes. Yeah. But it's it's really, the summers are gorgeous though, right? Like, yeah. the summers, they're probably the nicest summers anywhere. I agree. It's not um, okay. Close, okay, cl- clothes lines. What else? Did, what else? What else? What else did you wish you knew? That is a good one. Though. Um, I feel like, education-wise, I was very much prepared. I feel like the curriculum which I studied kind of put me a bit ahead because I already knew a lot of things which I was studying in the first couple of years. One big thing which I feel like set set me a bit back from the others who were in the same program as me. I did CS from UIUC. It's one of the most competitive programs in the country for computer science. And I did that with no experience in computer science. I had never written a single line of code. I was just... I 
in 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 high school we get an option to choose cs as a fifth subject i instead chose physical education because i wanted to play basketball oh, i was I, yeah so well when i came in a lot of kids around me they were finishing off their homeworks in 20 minutes while i'd sit for a couple hours figuring out how to write a for loop i wish i had some sort of preparation beforehand so that that gap which was present bridged and mm-hmm. i kind of solved that problem later on as well the so freshman year um i with a professor of mine we started a boot camp for incoming computer science people computer science oh, and cs cool. majors it was it was really cool it was just it was really cool she took me she was my mentor at the time she gave me my first couple of jobs as well at the university and i wanted to start this boot camp because i felt i felt like an outsider i felt like an imposter because i was not as ready as the people around me and i wanted to do something about it for the people who were coming to the university after i had graduated for instance so we started that boot camp it's it's a thing it happens every year now incoming that's students that's so cool i'm i'm proud of it i i'm very proud of it i think that's one of the best things i've done at the university so far that is super freaking cool so you took your your own struggle and pain and made it a like shining point for other people that's awesome what um when you oh my lord my brain's drawing a blank today um i don't know what i was gonna ask shoot okay well i, I got one um wait so so you were in urbana and i understand like yeah it's cold chicago's cold um but what made you like was was there a was it like, oh, I'm moving to the Bay because of my job? Or was it like, I'm getting this job because I want to move to the Bay? My job's completely remote. So I could be working out of okay. anywhere right now. The reason I moved to the Bay was my brother. Oh, it was so cool. It was the only opportunity we would get to live together. And we yeah. have that thoroughly. But now that like I've been here for a month, a month and a half, I'll probably here for a few more months. But then I want to move somewhere else. I am, mm-hmm. I'm a- so i'm in a dilemma i need your guys help tell me what to do <laughs> right so that's good because i i'm 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 a mover around we've here, got so both coasts covered too shuba's east coast and I'm west coast for you you guys know about this place you guys can help me out i need help <laughs> so my options right now the first one is san francisco i just go out there because it's a city what i miss the yeah. most is the city i love san jose there's a lot of trails and the sun is really good and it's pretty but it's kind of suburbia i like city mm-hmm. i want to feel and experience the city while i still have the time so it's san francisco my second option is new york because a lot of people from yahoo have been moving to new york the mm-hmm. apms i want to be near the other employees of the company for sure and secondly it's it's the city to be i think it's um i went to new york after graduation i took my parents with me i loved it it was just like a week but i fell in love with the city that's yeah. my second option so help me choose what do you guys suggest <laughs> well i'll say add like three more options to your list <laughs> so what i would suggest is especially if you're remote go to some other places look up cities to check out and do cities right do you know how, i'm not saying go look at like other places but you go to like um philadelphia check out philly it's pretty close to new york but it's half the price um, go to you've been to Chicago you go to like maybe Miami maybe uh, Austin right and the reason LA. I say all those cities is LA so I'm me personally like I'm saying I'm, in my mind I'm like go places where the taxes are oh, low so you can oh, make the most out of your yeah, money yeah. 
Um, but also also go somewhere with a, a good airport. Like I lived in Dallas for four years. So I grew up in, in northeast in New Jersey, moved to Dallas. Dallas is Texas is I like Texas for taxes and Dallas airport. You can get to California in three hours. You can get to New York in three hours. Right. Um, but so first one, I would say ex- explore a little bit more. So you have a few more options because you might randomly stumble a clock. Be like, oh, I really love Austin. You know, I really enjoyed my or you go to Portland and be like, I really love Portland. I really love Seattle. So do a little bit more traveling. Um, and the beauty of a remote job is take your laptop, get on a plane you know, work remote from wherever you are Friday, Saturday, Sunday, explore the city, come back Sunday night, right? Um, but with that being said, uh, I do love New York, right? New York has uh, best pizza anywhere. That's my number one. Pizza and bagels, number one in anywhere. Um, but I think living in New York, and I would say SF is similar because I, I do know people that, that also live in, in the SF area. One is it is expensive, right? If you're living in the city, if you're living in SF and if you're living in Manhattan or in New York, you're paying probably 2x what you're paying currently, right? For what you're going to get. You're going to, you want a one bedroom apartment with an elevator and a doorman, you're paying four grand in New York, in Manhattan, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that. The second thing is traffic. You live in a city, especially in Chaos. San Francisco and New York or Manhattan, it's traffic all day long. If you want to go half a mile, it's, you know, 15, 25 minutes rather than five minutes, right? Um, but it is a hub of culture. It is you can go and just watch a, a show, Broadway show. You can go into a random bar and it's a jazz bar and just enjoy yourself. Um, you do have more opportunities to experience uh, serendipitous happy accidents, mm-hmm. right? But you're paying for it. So right now, if you're like, listen, I'm young, money ain't a thing. <laughs> you know, throw money everywhere. Um, definitely you can do it. And it's honestly, this is the age, like, you know, I would do it right coming right out, out of, out of, um, college. However, if you're thinking, Hey, you know, I want to, you know, put money in the bank. I would highly recommend looking at like Texas, Florida, even if, I mean, you probably don't want to go back to Chicago, but Chicago is a great city. Philadelphia is a great city for that. Um, thinking of like actual city, Nashville is an up and coming city, uh, air quote city. No offense, Nashville. We love you, but <laughs> it's not the same as New York. Um, but I would say explore some more because you literally said, here are the top two cities in America. These are my choices. But you might have find something in between that you might like too. But I love New York. I, I, I've loved my time here. Uh, Fran, t- uh, let, this is your time to sell California. I think I mostly agree with all that, to be honest. I lo- So I'm from Oregon originally. I came to school in Southern California. I stayed out. I moved out to the city. And this is the first time I used to live in the beach cities, which is not, I feel like you can't really consider that LA, but I moved to downtown LA about a year ago and it's like amazing, but also like complete freaking chaos. And I'm like past that point in my life when I wanted to be out at the bars at like midnight and like romping around the city and getting minimal sleep. I, um, because we're old people yeah. now, Fran. So I like, I love where I live, but I definitely won't live here forever. But I, so I've been to New York for the first time last year. And that's like the first time I ever actually met Chubo in person too. And I was pleasantly surprised. Like I had kind of low expectations, not going to lie. So I think all us like LA West Coast people have preconceived notions about New York, the New York people. But uh-huh. a lot of those like negative things were totally shot down. Like everyone was super cool, great 
food. Like it was like a super cool energy and like space. So I almost wish like I had lived in New York when I was younger for like a couple of years. Cause it is like such a cool area and like so much to experience. Like Shubo was saying, um, LA West Coast definitely is a little bit more laid back. I also though like after living in Oregon, growing up in the snowy winters, I didn't want to. I don't think I can ever leave Southern California now because of the weather. <laughs> but I agree with Shubo's tactic. If you have the time and the capacity, like I definitely I would try and do some like weekend trip and like try and hit up a couple of other cities just so you can experience them and actually like see. Could I live here? Is this somewhere else? Maybe I'd be interested in living before you like fully commit. But cost of living is like the kind of calibration to living in the city. That's that's actually a pretty great idea. I was when I think about it, my work's pretty remote. I could just yeah. drive out places, stay there for like a month each, probably get an Airbnb, some hostel, probably couch surf. I have a, I have a lot of friends across the country now. I could couch yeah. surf for a while too. Get experience more places. You can, you can really mix it up. So I, I actually have a friend of mine who's moving into New York. Uh, he's a doctor and he was looking at apartments and he was like, dude, it's so expensive. I should just buy a place here. It, that's, it, that's how expensive it is. He's saying. And I was like, listen, before you buy anything, first of all, buying in Manhattan, that's brave. But he's a doctor. So <laughs> but, uh, but I was like, why don't you check Airbnb? Stay in Airbnb. Find out what areas you like at least, right? And it's actually cheaper for him to stay to per month cheaper for him to stay at airbnb than to rent That's an apartment wild. he's like oh yeah I, can, I found an airbnb yeah right it's like he's like i found an airbnb for two grand a month which is cheap rent for a one bedroom yeah. fully furnished in new york with washer dryer right um so another thing you could you could airbnb and like literally be like all right th this quarter i'm gonna live in the northeast i'm gonna live in new york this quarter i'm gonna live in florida this quarter I live. so then the because again if you really are fully remote in the sense when i say that way i don't mean like your job but i mean you're not going to be trying to, you know, carry a couch with you and bring a desk with you. If you really just need your laptop for work and that's it, why not? You know, you can go anywhere you want. This is probably the last, not right now, but in the next few years, the last time you're going to be this free. At some point, your parents are going to be like, you have to get married or something. <laughs> and then you're going to have a family and stuff. So like, this is the stuff that my family tells me. It's like, if you're, if you're really able to just go out there and experience these things, just, just go for it. But yeah, I've like been inspired. I mean, it's my to take a road trip across the country. Love that for you. Oh, that's Ed, that would be so much fun. That would be so much fun. Um, and then so, uh, so speaking of remote work, um, so this is where your inter your internships were on site. They were remote. They were always remote. So you've always been remote career wise yes, in the I United have. States. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're okay. Working. How do you like it? And would you what do you, what are your thoughts? on being remote currently do you think you'd you're missing out by not being in the office would you want to be in the office at some point how do you feel about i go that? into the office a couple of times a week right now um i don't need to but i just go out of choice i meet my manager we hmm. we we, we count on dates and times and we're like okay we should meet at least just have some face time i feel like i'm i don't have a lot of complaints regarding remote work it is for sure a lot more convenient for a lot more people especially for those who have who have families to take care of because mm -hmm. they get to spend more time with them. But as a young individual, as a young professional who is just going out into the workforce, I think it's it's a lot more motivating to get FaceTime with the people you're working with. Because if you if you sit in a room where you sleep for most of the day 
and then you have to work in the same room for the rest of the day. It's it's not exactly as motivating as it would be to sit and see others motivated and working around me, having some discussions in person because a lot of things, a lot of one-on-one connection, the rapport which you build with your co-workers that happens spur of the moment. It is not planned. Right now, the only times we meet is when we schedule time for us to meet, when we have a reason to meet. We won't just like, I don't know, cross each other in the hallway, for instance, or just grab lunch together. I think that's something which we are missing out on. And if possible, I would like to incorporate more of that into my regular life. I feel like as a young individual who is just going into work, that would be really, really Yeah, I think those are two really good points. That we, I don't think we even, so Shuba and I had done an episode previously about work from home versus return to office. And I don't think we even really touched on too much the psychological aspects of working from home and being like the motivation aspect that you mentioned that comes into it. Uh, If you're, especially as like a new employee, you're still kind of figuring out like your workflow and your partners and the actual work that you're doing, but you have no one else around you as like a guide, even whether it's like conscious or subconscious, it definitely could like impact your motivation and quality of work. If it's completely remote, hmm. I have I have friends who have been like working for the first time in their entire lives, and they started work remote, and they are facing this issue a lot more. I think I've personally have experience with working by myself, working from home, and I make it I make an extra effort to not spend a lot of hours at a stretch just by myself working. I set up one on ones, I set up coffee chats, I set up coming mm-hmm. sessions with the people. Or I just talk to other EVMs from my cohort. But these new employees who don't know that they have to actively put in that effort end up just quietly, silently trying to do their work, struggling but unable to feel comfortable enough to ask questions. And I think yeah. that does make a big impact on the quality of work, as you mentioned. Yeah, for sure. That makes sense. Um, I'm going to back. Maybe you should do a boot camp. <laughs> about about how to how to do like remote that'll work. be something maybe i'll make I'll, maybe i'll post a word on linkedin let's see that, that could be your new linkedin segment. <laughs> there you go solid um, you I, um i'm backtracking a little bit because I, I don't think we've covered this too much in terms of i know we talked kind of like high level the resources that you use coming to the u.s but actually get like the internships that you landed at yahoo what specifically was that interview process like? What do you feel like helped you specifically be equipped to land those internships and then actually like repeat internship at the same company? Mm-hmm. That's a very good question. Um, I I kind of started the whole recruiting grind pretty early. I got an internship my sophomore summer itself. A lot of people wait till their junior summer to land something as big. Um, I was very proactive about it. I started recruiting in the month of August and my cycle went on till March. So that's oh wow. That's okay. a eight yeah. months, eight months. I applied to over two fifty places in that duration. I think I've interviewed at least three dozen times, thirty six times. I had a lot of hacker oh. ranks, a lot of coding interviews, which we went through. It was a very long cycle. I don't think wow, I have it was it was very rigorous. And it was yeah. like it was distant it was day after day of getting ghosted or getting rejected mm-hmm. and you're just waiting for that one yes 
because all you need is one yes to call the recruiting cycle a success. But to get to that one yes, you have to be persistent with it. And you get demotivated, right? You, you see 10 rejections in a row for things which you feel like you're deserving. And then you get ghosted by the one company which showed interest in you. That's demotivating. But you have to be on it. Um, I utilized a lot of resources online. I think this was about the time when I started LinkedIn, using LinkedIn as much as I do now. Because I realized what a great platform it is and how I could leverage it to not just make connections, but also break into an industry which is as niche as product management is. So that cycle was 250 plus application, three dozen interviews. I think I had like six final rounds out of wow. which Yahoo is what came through. I broke into product straight away. It was, mm-hmm. it was a product management internship in their targeting field on their demand side of their ad tech platform. And I think I've talked to them about it. Like I asked them, why did you choose me? Like why me? There might have been a lot better candidates for this role, but why did you choose me? And their answer was not related to my technical skills, but who I am as a person. And my answers to their more behavioral questions, soft skills. And like product is a field in which you need experience to break into. But as a sophomore, I don't really have a lot of industrial experience. What I do have is that will to learn it. And that's what they saw in me. And I think that's what made me stand out. And that's what worked out after like 250 applications in eight months. It was worth it. It was all, it was a very long grind, but it was worth it. It was successful. It was the start of something huge. That's so cool. Yeah, I think I think it's no, that's awesome. So we need to start raising a a, a little thing to raise our hand. Raise no, this this is more natural. It's better. It's better this way. Um, well, no, I was I was gonna say, um, so you had six final rounds. You said so. How many total round? How each of those final rounds? How many rounds did you have before that? Were they like three rounds times six? So you're gonna need to be that. Like if for for each, for each final round, like there was like a first or second round before those finals, right? So were each of those companies doing like three rounds, or were they doing one like a one call and then a final? Like what was it? What was it like? most of them have like three rounds. The first is like the recruit check in, where it's just basic stuff, overall stuff like who you are, do you study, do you actually qualify to work on this job? The second round is the one with your mentor, so someone who is not managing you, but someone who would be your mentor at the company. And then there's a third round, which is the manager round. And this is for product internships. For coding internships, like software kind of internships, it's more technical because you have a lot more automated rounds. You go through hacker ranks or you go through logical and analytical reasoning questions. I was also interviewing for trading positions back then. So I was interviewing with Akuna Capital. That was like, I think, four or five rounds. And then the final round. But it was a lot of, again, automated online testing rather than mm-hmm. in-person interviewing with the person. But it was it was a lot of rounds, for sure. If you were to get those companies' feedback on their interview processes while keeping in, in mind two core factors of, one, being able to effectively assess talent, and two, candidate experience, what feedback would you give them, if any? Hmm. And the interviewing process, you said. Yeah. I feel like screening could be done a lot more, in a lot more better way. I Mm -hmm. feel like screening right now is a lot more competitive. So 
what people normally end up doing is finding loopholes. So if you try to screen resumes through online automated services, you kind of lose out on the personality of the individual. Mm-hmm. And people use mass recruiting tools to apply to hundreds of positions at once. So it ultimately becomes a numbers game. And that's what I started out with. And that's what the system was. I had to game the system and that's why I had to apply for 250 plus positions. That is not right. That's not how it should be. I feel like it should be quality over quantity. Um, I might be like, hmm, it's an unpopular opinion, but I feel like coverlators should be back in the business because if you are truly oh. interested in production, you should be able to justify why you are the right fit. What kind of experience do you bring to the table? What kind of interests and skills and the soft skills and the technical skills you have which will help you on the job? And like, if you have those answers, that's the only way you'd be successful at the position in the longer term. And that's what the company wants and that's what you want as an individual as well. Again, it's an unpopular opinion. I don't yeah. think. About it. <laughs> the valid point, it, though. It's 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 a medium because I think I think no because we've talked about it right. Like we we so Fran and I don't love cover letters, but we've talked about how if you're new to the industry or if you're pivoting to a different industry, that's where a cover letter shine, right? So like your your point about a, an internship, I think that's hundred percent because you're coming straight out of school, like you were a sophomore. You have no experience in any of these fields, right? You, you're, you've learned about it, but you don't have actual experience. So your cover letter is probably very valuable. So I, I, that, in that sense, I can say yes. But in general, yeah, it's an unpopular opinion. I don't, I'm I don't pretty, love cover yes. letters. It's I just think that, hard to yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, sorry, I, I think your point totally is that so I, I definitely lean not loving cover letters either. But I do think I've been having so many conversations lately about um, automation and the increasing role it's going to play in recruitment and how talent acquisition assesses talent. And it's only going to increase, but my concern is very much so, like, I think there's a lot of areas where it's going to benefit, but I think obviously the concern is, like, the human element that it's going to, automation would remove from the assessment of, someone's soft skills or personality traits that align to the competency of the role or understanding like who they are as a person rather than just what words are on a page being pulled by the system so it's like i don't have answers to it but it definitely is like a i think a growing concern i feel like the industry is kind of like changing right now and we're in the middle of things because right now there's a way of hacking the system. For mm. instance, like we have systems which pick up these keywords. And so people just add in those keywords into the resume just so that it can yep. get picked up. But there is soon the systems will get more sophisticated and we can mm. probably get past the problem and still have automation involved in it. And yeah. I think that'll be a happy future. And like the whole cover letter thing, I think the reason why I bring it up. I, I, my degree was in computer science and I entered product management. So it's not a normal career path. Not a lot of people around me were going into product and it's not what you would naturally go into. And that's why I feel like a cover letter would help me explain myself more. Mm-hmm. It's why as a student of computer science, am I choosing not to go towards development or research or data, but yeah. move into product? Well, uh, that was my next question. Can you answer the question for us? Why? Why product? Why product? Yeah. 
um it was not always product right i kind of like stumbled into product is the way i see it um i came here in 2019 as i mentioned before i started my degree with no experience in coding whatsoever no experience with any programming language so for the first few months i did not like cs but that was because i was not good at it but then i got up i started being better i had like a straight 3.99 gpa till the end of my sophomore year i was good at it but i was still not happy i was not getting i don't know contentment at the end of the day i was not happy with the work i was doing and i could not see myself sitting for hours at the end in the same day in front of a desktop and doing the same thing mm-hmm. so i started exploring um i i always knew i had an inclination towards the business world so i started like looking into this technology plus business space which exists right now i feel a lot a lot of things fall into it like project management program management product management strategy and operations even consulting to a certain level um i started out with consulting i did that with a few student organizations on campus gain experience got um got like real time experience working with clients and again at the end of the day i was still feeling like this is still not enough i'm making graphs which show what things would be if we were to do x y and z and we would just extrapolate it to see one month into the future but i played no part in the execution of what was happening and that's how i narrowed down into product because i realized that's the missing part i want to play i want to play the role where i see a product go from nothing from just an idea to an end product which is being used by users and then i can measure their feedback like are they happy with it if they are not we can do the same thing over and over again and i realized my whole passion comes from making the lives of my users easier identifying pain points identifying opportunities and going in there and exploring them and then they told me this is called product management so it just kind of fit in you were doing it before you knew what it was yes It's really funny because so we so uh someone we've interviewed in the past is also a PM and they said the same thing. They're like they were like I was consulting and that's fine, but I want to be the person taking it through, right? Taking it through to the end. Um so it's you know so to to people listening if you are someone that wants to execute on strategies, right? And if you want to actually work with customers and make them happy, you can go into product. So that's that's super cool. Um very solid. I would assume to your going degree, from like help go ahead no friend help foundationally with product as well too because especially i know obviously like a little bit more about the teams that you were going to yahoo but i know with so many companies engineering is only a benefit with product roles so oftentimes because engineering is typically like your largest cross-functional partner and then even sometimes having to be able to do a little bit of coding or at least understand when you're working with an engineer what they're talking about i i definitely do agree coming from a technical background gives me a little bit of an edge over mm-hmm. others because when i talk to engineers i'm actually understanding what they're saying it's not the whole job of a product manager is to communicate in different languages when we talk to engineering people we need to change our language in a way they understand it same with business guys same with sales guys same with their users we communicate that's what we do and if i'm working on a technical product without any understanding of what the product is if i look at the code base and i i don't even understand what's happening 
there's going to be issues because once technic once the engineering team pulls up with pulls up to me with an issue i'm not going to understand what they're saying so i wouldn't know what to answer them so yeah. i feel like of recent i think get having a technical or a cs background really really helps with getting into product roles a lot of companies keep it as a requirement as well because mm-hmm. their products are just more technically inclined and yeah. we use i think on my day to day i'd use sql to pull data from databases probably figma to do some design stuff mm-hmm. these are the things which every product manager needs we need to be able to understand data to make decisions and use that data to back up our decisions as well when we communicate to get priority on a ticket with engineers yeah it totally makes sense shiva um i <laughs> thank you fran um so we we you know we talked about your process in getting the the internship so now transitioning from finishing undergrad finishing your internships transitioning to looking for full time roles um and you you ended up at the company that you interned at which is awesome which is probably like a really you know it's almost the ideal for most people um but what were you did you apply to other companies what was that process like transitioning from one you know being in school to looking for full time work and then my second part of that and I'll ask it again if if you forget but um what was the transition like for you in the company from intern to full time um so, i feel like somehow both the answers would be the same thing um i did apply to the companies but that was more just to brush up my interviewing skills i was very happy with yahoo i really like the company and the people i worked with and i think with time you build credibility amongst your peers as well as your coworkers and i really wanted that um i interned with them my sophomore summer i went there my junior summer they wanted to take me on my senior year as well there were some visa issues so i could not really make it happen during fall but i started again as a part time product manager during the spring of my senior year which was to be converted into a full time role as soon as i graduated so I was going to go to Yahoo. I was committed. I was committed from <laughs> I feel like I committed back in 2021 itself. I had such they a great time. <laughs> they did. They did. And Were you working on different teams? Sorry, I'm going to ask more questions so she will you probably have to remind them. Were you working on different teams each internship or with the same groups? Um, I did jump around a little bit. So I started on targeting on the demand side of art and the next summer I wanted to come back and get some sort of subject matter for these and that that's why I'm still in art as well but I wanted to see the other side of it so I moved on to the supply side I worked with the connected tv team over there for the mm-hmm. summer and when I came back as a part time product manager I was still on the connected tv team then yahoo made the decision to shut down the supply side platform altogether and I was redirected towards the dsp team for with which I was there till may After graduation, when I joined again as an APM, I'm now placed on the ads data targeting and insights team. So this is technically the same targeting team which I was in 2021. So I kind of mm-hmm. came back full circle, had my taste around the other part of ads, and I'm back where I started. So I'm 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 pretty happy with it. Yeah, that's super cool. I'm sure, like, I like I feel like at this time of your life, like, getting as much like. uh exposure is only going to like help you figure out what path you actually want to go on and then benefit you along with too but obviously it sounds like you were able to build right. up like enough rapport and impact 
with the teams you're on from the beginning that they wanted you to come back, which is also really cool. Definitely. I feel like I was very fortunate. Yahoo gave me a lot of opportunity to deliver products with impact and features and impact. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, interns don't really get projects which are picked up. They kind of just do projects on the side which never make it to the main stack. But I was given responsibilities. I launched my own product my first summer over here. I oh, wow. launched a product on the uh, on their DSP, on their audience Twitter. It was called search retargeting. And as an intern, launching something by yourself is a great deal. They empowered me enough to be able to do I Don't get me wrong. But it was it. So, yeah. so uh, when I went in and I talked to Geo, my manager, about it, I think like we set a goal. It's like by the end of the internship, you'll be able to send that mass email where you tell everyone that you launched something. And I was like, my whole summer, I'm like, I'm going to look forward to this. The day I press enter on this email and the whole company receives it, that'll be the that'll be that'll be what I get success for the internship, and we got yeah. to that point. That's so we did cool. get to that point. That's incredible. I think uh, that that must have that must have been like the most. I feel like as you worked, it probably was less and less. But the first day, it's like wow, like I'm gonna send an email to the whole company and I'm gonna release my own product. Like it must have been very huge, and it must have felt very um. What's the word? I think uh, vindicating. Yeah, I think you might have felt like you know it might have been like I I actually I belong here, right? No imposter syndrome after that point, right? You, you can't go have, back off. Definitely, definitely. I feel like a lot of product managers do live for that thrill of launching things because they're like little startups altogether. Each product, when I think about a product, I think of it as a little startup because you have a couple engineering resources, some design resources, some resource resources associated with it. And you're the only one leading the whole project. And at the end of the day, it might be three weeks, it might be three months, it might be three years. But at the end of that cycle, you get to launch something. And that marks, like, that's like a big mark. That's like, that's the end of something. And then you move on to the next thing. So that thrill is what we live for. And that was like, I got a taste of it right in 2021 itself. And that's why I was hooked. I never looked anywhere else. I was like, I'm going to do product. I'm going to be in ads and I'm going to be at Yahoo. It was decided to stay away. That was it. That's convenient. So if you if y'all want to lock in your interns, let them release their own product. <laughs> They'll stay with you forever. No, but I you know what the funny thing is when we say when I say that, I say that as a joke, but it's I think it came down to like them giving you responsibilities, right? Like giving you ownership. And I think that's what when it came down to you picking Yahoo or you picking product or you being invested in what you were doing. Rather than an intern being like, go get me coffee or just look, you know, just do your own little side project, whatever it is. There's yeah. internships span, right? Depending on what industry you're in, it goes from get me coffee to release your own product, um, which is crazy. But the, I think that's how companies can make the most of their internships for themselves. Because obviously for you, you got a lot out of it. And even if you didn't release your own product, you probably would have gotten something out of it, right? Like you learned regardless. But I think as a company, when you're looking at, I'm a company that, has internships that has interns um what's in it for me right aside from just having people that i'm paying or paying less than i would have a regular person right besides that the work this is a way for them to get the most out of their their investment because for in, in your case not only did you release a product which is you did a job and you did it very well but they have now a loyal employee mm-hmm. for 
just cause, right? Even before you started, you already knew what you wanted to do. Um, and they were able to mold you into exactly what they needed, all that stuff. So I think giving responsibility to interns and, uh, and giving them serious workloads, right, is what companies can do to get a good ROI. Definitely. The way I see it, interns, like, they are nothing but little investment projects for their companies. They spend a lot of money to train these interns so that they prepare themselves for the future of the company. They expect the interns to return to the company and that's why they do so much for them. And if a little thing as giving them some sort of value or some sort of responsibility which makes them hold themselves accountable can make such a big difference, then these companies should do it. I feel like it makes a lot of difference. I had friends who were working all across different fields, different companies, for sure. A lot of them did get work, but especially the ones in tech companies, the ones which are too big, to have as many people. They got little projects which they were not putting their complete hearts into because they knew it did not matter. Once you start to work on things that matter to not just you but to the company itself, you start to feel like you belong over there and that does create a lot of difference. Yeah, that's the end. Go. I was pausing for you. Okay, I was <laughs> I was literally looking at you, friend. I was pausing for you. No, okay, I'll go. Um, I was actually going to ask. So, based on that, um, a little bit of gossip. What, what are some like not so great internship stories that you've heard? You don't have to name companies. You don't have to name your friends. But is there anything that you heard that maybe was the opposite of what you did? In in the sense that if you were speaking to companies right now, what are some things you would say? Hey, don't do this. Or hey, do more. So you said do more of this, right? You said give responsibility. That's great. What are some things that companies should avoid based on what you've heard from your your peers, your mm-hmm. colleagues, and your friends? Um, don't leave your employees unseen. Don't make them feel unseen. A lot of new employees just end up doing stuff which is so menial that they don't get FaceTime with their managers or their bosses or even their co-workers. I feel like being seen is what matters. You want to be seen. You want to be seen by the company and by your team and by your manager. You want you want, you want someone to see the progress that you're making because that's like an internal rewarding system. So I personally, I have like check-ins with my manager so often that I, I keep asking for feedback. I'm like, tell me that you see me. Tell me that you're seeing the work I'm doing. Tell me that I'm being rewarded for it. If I'm doing something wrong, that I'm learning something out of it. A lot of companies, these are the horror stories which I've heard. Their managers would talk to them once in every three weeks, not knowing what they're up to. Oh, wow. Give them a little feedback on, on the basis of what they see in that particular meeting. And there you go for the next three weeks with no direction whatsoever. Interns need direction. Even new graduates who are just starting out their jobs need directions. They need small but attainable goals, which are set out on regular time periods. For instance, we should have like 30-day goals and 60-day goals and 90-day goals. And those goals should be checked in on. The progress should be seen by whoever is managing those interns or fresh graduates. With that, you give them direction. You give them a path to walk on. And you're telling them that I'm not going to walk this with you. I'm not going to micromanage you because you have to take your own responsibility. But I'm standing right here and I'm watching you run this mile. I think that's what I would tell every big company to do. Just make your your interns feel seen and wanted there. Make them feel like they work there. I think those are really good points, though, too. And, like, I know, obviously, from, from my experience, uh, so so two points. I think, one, 
I think a lot of people and leaders, when they like too much of their ego is involved, they can be worried like, oh, like I'm basically upskilling this person out of the company. Like what if they get to the point where like I've taught them so much and they've gotten so much here than they, they leave. And that that's like reality and that happens. But then I think it's for the person in that role, the manager, the leader, it's like thinking about the human element versus just solely just the benefit to the company. And mm -hmm. I think the value is, which I think is quite apparent with Yahoo and so many other companies too, is boomerangs. But people, the people use the term boomerang when employee comes back to the company. It happens so often with Yahoo. And I think that's always like a really good sign about an, a company's culture and how they treat their employees and the value of the employees see working for that company when they've left and then come back. Um, is that still something that you see over there too? I do see a lot of people who have been working at the company for 20, 30 years at, 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 at a stretch. And yeah. some people who are here all the way to 2010 and now are coming back, seeing how the mm -hmm. company is going towards a new direction altogether. I feel like we are turning over a new leaf and great things lie ahead with all the things that we're doing. So I, I do still see that. And the people who I've been talking to since 2021, they're still here. A lot of them are still at the company. So I'm glad to see familiar places as well. Yeah, I think that makes a difference, like culture and opportunity and being seen. Like you said, like all of those uh, qualitative factors that come into play when thinking about employee experience and internship programs and all that stuff. Um, what is something, without sharing anything proprietary, what is something really cool that you've worked on? I know you shared a few things at a high level, but what's something really cool that you've worked on, whether it was internship or your first few weeks in this in this role um, in the product space? Um, you mean in the last couple of weeks or like in general? Just in general. Something that you worked on that you're really proud of or maybe you learned a lot from? Hmm. I can obviously talk about launching my product, but I already did. Um, I did this. I, I had a project last summer. I did a competitive analysis for the connected TV teams at Yahoo. I think that was a really great project. It it was like a month and a half. It was my first research project. And I talked to like 40 plus individuals for it. Um, I realized how we're so used to getting information which we need at the at the convenience of a click that we don't realize how a lot of information out in the industry is not penned down. It's not online. It's not, mm -hmm. you can't just command it through a document and find an answer. You can't just Google search it and find the meaning behind something. You have to go and find that information from people who are carrying it. So for that, I think that's what made this project a lot more special than others because I was going to people to ask them about their point of view, their knowledge, their information, things which I could not find in textbooks, things which I could not find on Google. Things. This was something which I was not used to anymore. I was I was very much used to textbook. There are questions over here, there are answers at the back of it. We have the answers everywhere. Over here, I had to genuinely work my way towards finding information. And that the whole process of it, the whole journey of going on for a month and a half, just talking to people. It was simply 
30 or 45 minute conversations with everyone who has any inclination regarding what's happening in the industry, what ha- what's happening in certain features which is happening, how the industry is expanding. And I don't know. That was, that was really cool. That was really cool. Yeah. Did did you find that while you were having these conversations? Because I feel like looking for answers, right, like is one thing. But sometimes while we're doing these things, we end up finding questions, right? Like we find a question that we didn't have maybe three people ago that we realize is a very pertinent question. So did you have moments like that where through the conversation you realize that there was like something that you you weren't even looking at or something that you didn't even realize was a factor or something like that. Um, when basically, like, uh, I guess, let me let me ask the right question. So going through your, how did it, from the first person you interviewed and the first person you spoke to, to the last person, what was the change in your like thought process, but also like in the way I think that I you conducted direction. those conversations? I feel like that's, that's, that made a considerable impact on how the conversations went. Because initially... My questions were really open-ended because I did not have knowledge about the industry or about what I was looking for. I was not clear on what the ask was. I was just told it's a competitive analysis. It's an open-ended project. Go find answers. So after the first few meetings, after I got up to date regarding, I knew what I was looking for. The conversation became a lot more crisper. And now it was not just me sitting and listening to them for 30 minutes giving me a lecture about how a product is being used. Now it was me asking questions regarding, hey, tell me about this particular part of this particular product. How does this work? How can we make this better? What is the pain point? How can we differentiate ourselves as a company? At the end of the project, I was also told to give a product recommendation, like a product strategy for how the company should strengthen this $220 million business. And I saw them following that strategy too when I came back to the company in January and that was that was incredible that made me realize that what I did it was worth it because the information was right and this information did not exist before I just created literature that was that that was the feeling I had at the end of the project this is this is the whole deck and I created this out of just information from people so cool wow that's incredible. That is that the fact that um, Yahoo took your work as an intern and respected it to the point where they implemented it. I think that's really cool. whew, that's intense. Where where you're at right now in the product space and where the industry is at, how do you? I think I like as we move forward, tech like the rapid pace that technology is progressing is moving faster and faster how outside of just what you're learning on the job how do you feel like you are keeping pace and like staying informed and learning and progressing within the product space to make sure that you are informed about the work that you're doing and what's happening in the industry and the technology that's coming out um, I feel like being a part of product communities is what makes me feel like I'm being up to date. There's a lot of Discord channels, a lot of subreddits, and communities which exist out there to just talk about product. And I feel like those 
at least make me feel like I'm a part of this whole living, breathing community, which is thinking similarly, which has like-minded individuals who are talking about the same thing. Um, I recently moved to the Bay and I am now starting to find actual in-person meetings as well, where people oh, brainstorm cool. little themes, do little hackathons and develop products, come up with prototypes and make MVPs. And I feel like that would help as well. I've kind of, I kind of stopped that in the last few months, but I want to pick that up again. That would be kind of cool. Have some side project of myself. Um, yeah. I was recently thinking about this. I want to make like a website where I store, I feel like we pass on life so much and forget about things which we're doing. I read a lot of books. I watch a lot of movies and I watch a lot of TV. If I have like a platform where I add all this information and get recommendations from myself, depending on what I liked and how much I liked it, that would be kind of cool. And mm, like now spend like, thank you. Let's see how it goes. Yeah. But it's, I start a lot of projects and don't end up finishing them. I think. <laughs> That's all of us. That's everybody. That's that's everybody. Um, no, that that would be cool, man. Yeah, do a little blog and like send it to us, and we'll 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 post it um, on our on the bottom of this uh, episode later on. But um, so I think. What? Actually, um, no, Fran, your turn because I, I I blanked. Yeah. Because I I don't want to go on a rabbit hole of like books and stuff. Because I totally was going to go on a rabbit hole and be like, tell me all the books. You I don't mentioned right this. I think like elements of this have come up in like multiple topics you've been sharing about today. Is like the element of building relationships and networking. Like you talked about it when you were trying to go through the process of applications and tests and figure out what country you wanted to go to and the people, peers and friends you had that were a couple years ahead of you that you were. Um, learning from it sounds like you talked about it moving to the bay area and people you've met in discord channels and networking groups and um, how do you feel how do you view networking and the importance of it in your career and maybe even life and what are certain things um that you focus on in that realm as well hmm. that's a good question um, I think of networking as a muscle. The more you practice it, the more, the better it gets. It's as simple as that. It's it's nothing natural. No one naturally feels like they should reach out to everyone who they can interact Total with. It's not. You have to just yeah. just like, oh, that looks and in- that particular individual looks interesting. Let me go up and say hi. No one really does that. But if you make it a part of you. You make it a habit. If you just have the intent of doing it, I think that's that's what really matters. I view as networking as I view networking as something which I just do naturally now. I'm not doing it out of I'm not looking for anything. I'm not thinking of hey, what do I get out of it? I go to my networking calls with an open mind and the only thing which I'm looking for is an interesting conversation for the next thirty to forty five minutes. That's all I'm asking for. How do you feel like that? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. How do you feel like that? So even from like the minute you would reach out to me on LinkedIn and you were interning at Yahoo, already at that point so early on in your career, it seemed like you had a really strong grasp of 
LinkedIn and building your personal brand and how to leverage that platform to connect with people and build your network and your brand. How did you get there? Like, was there like aha moments? Like, how do you, how do you think you, or how do you view like your brand and branding and leveraging LinkedIn in that way? Um, so I, I reached out to you in the summer of my sophomore year. I was working at Yahoo. I kind of started dabbling with LinkedIn during freshman year summer. There were a lot of influences back then. I was doing some e-learning stuff and LinkedIn just came up over there. Um, there was this e-learning platform named No School. I was a part of their fellowship program where we came up with the product name Buzz. And that's besides the point, but that's a tangent. But again, uh, they, they are the ones that recommended LinkedIn. I started looking at the platform and initially I was, I was just posting because I wanted to speak out. I, I went through a lot of things as an international student doing computer science with no experience in CS, which I feel like they might be more like me, but not around me. So I started writing about my imposter syndrome. That's how I started posting on LinkedIn. Um, after that, when recruiting started, I started realizing that I have a voice. I can use this platform to just speak out and find like-minded individuals. So I started writing about my experience with recruiting and how that's going and the resources which I found along the way. Then I started cold messaging recruiters. I started cold messaging hiring managers. I also started cold messaging a lot of people in the product industry as well as the consulting industry because I was still in that tech plus business space, but I don't know what to do because normally computer science students have predefined paths. They're going to go a certain way. They're going to yeah. take a certain set of courses. I wanted to go off the path. And for that, I needed to find people who have done that before me. And I started reading out to product managers at companies which I wanted to work at. I asked for time. And a lot of times they were, they were responsive. And I would set a time, I would ask them questions. I'm like, I'm still early in my career, but I'm interested in the product space. How do I do it? What do I do about it? And I got a lot of advice through it. Then I landed my first internship. After that, I, I, I had already understood the importance of the platform because it had connected me to so many influential individuals. And without them, I would not be where I am right now. I would not have known half the resources. I would not have got in the direction which I actually ended up going into. So I started my internship series. And now I, I think I took a break off LinkedIn for a period of time during my senior year. I just did not have a lot of things to talk about then. Now I semi-regularly post. I'm talking about my yeah, APMCs. Yeah, I saw you popping back up. <laughs> I'm popping back up. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to get back into the groove. Yeah. Uh, I feel like when I'm doing things, I want to just like talk about them. There's a lot of people who actually find it helpful. They get information. I wish I had known these things. I did not know what an APM did until I got on calls with them. And I'm like, what the hell do you do? <laughs> because there's no information out there we get job descriptions job descriptions are they sound good that that it's just good like english language yeah five responsibilities 
just very strong words, but they don't tell you how you're going to spend day to day. And that's what I talk about uh, when I write content right now. Mm-hmm. I also try to share resources as much as possible. I think I'm going to start writing more about how people should leverage LinkedIn as a platform to mm-hmm. help them recruiting cycle now because this yeah. is the phase all recruiting cycle starts now. Yeah. yeah, that's so cool. I was like, even I like I I know I've said before, but I feel like you harnessed LinkedIn as a tool like so well early on in your career, and the fact that you like you said too, like it seems like you're kind of passing on the baton. Obviously, for like you had to kind of create a roadmap for yourself by yourself to get like you had people helping you along the way, but you had to create a roadmap for yourself and how do you get to where you are now? And you had people helping you in certain ways but then you still had to figure other stuff out yourself so you're helping to create the roadmap for people who are coming up behind you and then you can pass off the baton to them to make sure maybe they don't have to struggle as much as you did getting the answers that you did today so i think that's super cool that you're like continuing on even now that you found a full-time job um, and are past the intern interning phase of your career i feel like we should have an identity outside of her work life and like LinkedIn definitely yeah. helps with that because you're still yeah. professional it is still work but it is not just the job which you do it is so much more than that it represents who you are as an individual and it's it's a good platform to meet a lot of people right now I use it just to stalk people to be honest if I have a one-on-one <laughs> coming up we're recruiters we're the same <laughs> I look both of you all up meeting yeah, I, saw, I had to do. I was gonna say I saw you saw my profile. Due, due I saw diligence. That. Looking at my profile earlier, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but <laughs> with with that with that being said, and Dave, you you mentioned that you did like cold messages, right? Which is which is awesome because that 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 helps you network. What would you if you were gonna give advice to someone on how to effectively or most effectively cold message and get responses and get conversations? What would you say to someone who's asking you, you know, how do, how do I do it? I message people and they never respond or I message people and the conversation never goes the way I want it to go. How would you give, what's the best advice you could give on someone to, whether it's recruiters, whether it's people that are doing the job you're doing or potential hiring managers, whoever, um, how think do you make the most of Know your audience, message? know who you're reaching out to. Like if they have a busy job, they're, gonna, they're not going to read paragraphs or paragraphs. They want clear succinct message so my biggest advice is first of all have a format you can't you can't just walk into a message and think I, i'm gonna come out with something which will sound good that that can't be the strategy you need to be clear about what you want what your ask is what your goal is and why do you deserve this time these three things these three questions should be answered into the message which you are sending out and it should be very clear it should be very small as hey I am a senior in CS at UIUC. That's who I am. I am looking for product management roles. That's very general. I want to be specific. So I'd be like, I'm looking at the targeting and identity product management internship with JR number this at your company. And I feel like I'm a great fit. And then you need to have specific questions as well. What do you want to talk about? You have to tell them, I want to talk about what it entails to be a product manager or what my day to day would look like or how do we prepare to be a part of an ad tech industry? As long as you ask is very succinct and precise, people would be ready to get on a call with you because they would know what to talk about. 
you guys go through or like experienced individuals, experienced professionals already go through the hassle of creating agendas throughout the day that they don't want to be the one leading meetings out of it as well. So you take on that role from them. You're the ones who lead the meeting. You're the ones who come in with a list of seven questions. If you're done in eight minutes, let the other person go. Give them their 22 minutes back. Have a clear ask. Go into the meeting, prepare. Do your homework. And people will respond. It is also a numbers game. I did cold message and people did respond. But I would send out message to 100 people at once. And maybe like 30 of them would accept my invite. 15 of them answer to my questions and five of them would get on a call with me. But that's five. Convert. The, the conversion ratio is five out of 100. That's pretty good. I'll take it. Five person, I'll take it. That's five F, it'll straight up. There's five connections. There's five opportunities to build relationships which are going to help you in the years to come. Amen. You're like echoing our, we literally have a podcast about LinkedIn and branding too and well, for everyone listening, we didn't pay you to say this, but we echo everything you just said. <laughs> yeah. And, but I think uh, 30 responses or even, like you said, five is dope. But I think even if they don't set up a call with you, if even if they just respond to you, that's that's half the battle, right? Because even if they answer the question that you just asked and they're never going to respond to you after that again, that's still amazing, right? That's still information that you can use. Um, but yeah, no, the numbers game I feel like, sure, but that's uh, awesome. Oh, go ahead. Right. A lot of students do sleep on LinkedIn and like, no, we're going to sleep. have to wake up. I feel like we are not taught about these resources at school. If we start yeah. that, that would be really helpful because we would, we would know what we want to do beforehand because we have been doing something in that direction. We are not just walking into the whole recruiting game blindfolded mm -hmm. I think that's such a good point there's like it's been a minute since I've been in school but <laughs> I think there needs to be like a trans like career transitory <laughs> course where you go through all of that stuff and like negotiations and market compensation and what tools are out there for you to leverage and networking and interview prep all that stuff definitely maybe, someone, maybe someone has that out there Maybe. Well, sometimes, you know, the, your your counselors are supposed to have that, right? Yeah. Your career counselors or something, but they should, LinkedIn should be its own thing, right? Um, for sure. It, it definitely should. Um, okay, so you, okay, here we go. You've been interning, you've interned since 2001, right? You had a few internships. Now you're starting your new job. Oh, no, 2021. Sorry, I've done, this is the second time I did that. Uh, yeah, I, yeah okay. he said 2001 he was like wait time out i was like just barely born at that point um mm -hmm. right um uh, sorry 2021 um so you've been you interned and now you've started a new job that's awesome um i'm gonna ask what's next for you and i know obviously you're gonna be working here for a while but what do you think is your next um leap jump not saying that you have to different company but maybe you know two promotions away maybe going back to school what do you what do you think is your next uh differentiating um, factor i have coming up i've in your thought life about having years, maybe a source of passive income for a very long time now i just could not make it happen while i was still in school my next goal is to set something up for that i'm i already have a great job which i love and it's gonna take time and effort and dedication 
for me to get ahead in the ranks in that side of things. But I can do something by myself on this side. I'm still not sure about what exactly I would do. But I don't know. Vending machines looks like a lucrative business to I've me. I've been wondering about... Okay, share. Keep... I've been... That's been stuck in my brain when someone brought it up to me like a year ago. And I haven't been able to get out of my head. Keep going. I mean, I've been looking into it. There, there are some. It is one of those markets which is not completely saturated. There, yeah. are, there are which you can actually just infiltrate because people will buy, and like mm-hmm. there's some amount of work involved. But with time, even if you earn like three grand a month, it compounds. It's thirty six grand a year, and then you put that back into something bigger, and then you put that back into something big, and it keeps compounding. I think eventually I would like to real estate if i could make airbnbs if i'm allowed to but those are dreams i can start with something small i don't even mind flipping secondhand furniture if that's what it comes down that's so cool flipping couches man that's the that's the secret flipping couches is a great way to make a lot of money but uh i will say though if you're looking to be someone who moves around a lot vending machines please so the, the i'm someone who's looked into this stuff a lot um <laughs> uh, a lot um and if we're going to talk about this, we can talk about this. So I think it's the, in my mind, it's, yeah, we t- it, I could talk about this forever. Vending machines are great. Uh, they can be, as long as you, you figured out a, like where you're going to put, put them, obviously get a Costco membership. That's where you get your, your stuff for inside the vending machine. Mm-hmm. However, you can't be remote in Aruba with the vending machine, right? You have to be, it has to be local to you. Cause that was also some, something is along what I would say, if you're scaling a vending machine in my mind, the thing that's like six or seven levels up from that would be like mm-hmm. a laundromat. It's a similar idea in terms of, you know, you people put change in, they use it and you can, but again, you can't be somewhere else remote, right? It's not the same as having an Airbnb, right? It's not. Um, So you have to decide like, okay, if I'm going to do vending machines and I want this to be something that compounds in five years, three years, whatever, those three years, I'm not going anywhere, right? If I am going somewhere and I'm trusting someone to manage it, I'm losing five, 10, 15, 20%. And not that you can't trust your friends, but you can't trust anyone, Um, right? in the family maybe yeah but then you're still losing 10 percent. but then he's telling you that he's taking he's like all right this is my 10 percent um right but so that's one thing airbnb is great just have to look at local laws but there's so many different things there's, you can do uh you can buy a car and rent it out to people that are driving uber right so they'll pay you weekly um a flat amount but they're driving uber and they're <laughs> they're doing all the work but you own the car um so we can do this offline i have business ideas for days um, I actually have a call later today with a friend of mine trying to figure out what we're doing next. But yeah, no, it's uh, vending machines are cool, but just know what you're getting yourself into because it's not that's something true. that's not true. If you're doing something, cut uh, me passive, out. please. Medium passive. Yeah, we're going to keep this conversation going because I'm curious about it too. I've just <laughs> yeah. been like nervous to take sure. the risk in a lot of instances. For sure. But, it, but you know, and... like okay. Grand, there's no risk. It's, it's still a chunk it's, of it's like it's like five grand all in, and it's it's not a risk. You guys, you you have a great job. You have a great, and it's not even that much. If you get a used one, you can get a used one for like two ish grand, and you can probably do the first round for like four hundred dollars worth of stuff from Costco. You get a bunch of the chocolate stuff that they have, so you're in for twenty five hundred dollars. And you'll probably make that back, like in like six. Seven. If you're in a high traffic area, six zero, seven months. Vending machines in my apartment complex. Nah, maybe longer, maybe a little bit longer. Hmm. Hmm. You've got us thinking. Yeah, and it's and you, they, you don't have to pay for that. 
because you're doing them a service. You're doing, yeah, you're doing them a service. You never, you never pay for you. Not never, but you usually don't have to pay for putting a vending machine somewhere. Okay, what else um, is that the you're only doing thing? Them a service essentially. <laughs> um, Passive income. Anyway, yeah, we can we could do this all day. <laughs> there, I mean, th- that's not that's not what this that's not what this podcast is for, y'all. But um, no, I think you know you could you can do fine. You can do uh, for Airbnb. You can do Airbnb. I think it's called arbitrage, where you're not buying the property, you're renting it. But in the rental agreement, you're letting them know you're going to Airbnb it. Some companies are okay with it. Some companies aren't super excited about it. Usually one way around that is you just tell them that you're going to do midterm rentals instead of short-term rentals. They're more okay with that. Um, And the benefit of a midterm rental is you can go to companies and say, hey, you have a corporate office here. If you have people that are like flying in for work rather than getting a hotel room, you can just do a three-month rental with me. Um, and that case, one, you know, it's going to be good because like a good tenant, quote unquote, cause it's, a, yeah. it's for corporate, right? Um, a lot of people do that. So then, um, a lot of States that have Airbnb laws that don't allow Airbnb will actually allow midterm rentals because a lot of hotels do midterm rentals too, for same reason where they have like, oh, you know, this company has an office here. They have people coming in three, four, five months at a time. You can stay here. Right. Um, some university, not, well, I don't know if universities do that, but I feel like they might. Um, anyway, the point becomes that's one way. So there's other stuff. I'm not going to get into it. I think that was a sign from God not to talk about uh, that <laughs> stuff here. Kicked Stop me off. Talking. Uh, yeah, we're supposed to start uh, business but, ventures with all of our podcast guests. Oh, that, that would be that would be epic. But at the end of the day, I will say like, don't um, when you know because you because when you finish talking about you know re- rental properties, you're like, oh, that's a dream. But be like, listen, you know, dreams. You put a date on it. It's a goal. You can do it. Um, it'll work out. So just definitely keep keep that that mindset up, right? Of like, especially as you get as one gets older, um, those dreams get pushed out even more, and then you stop thinking that they're believable. When we're younger, we're like, I'm gonna do it, right? But if you don't do it, don't start telling yourself that you can't do it, right? You can always do it. So okay, that. <laughs> that's great advice. Thank you. For sure, for sure. Um, all right, Fran, what you got? I am good on our end. Thev, is there anything else? So we do have fast five and then question that we'll jump into oh, yeah. to wrap up. But outside of that, is there anything that we didn't talk about today that you want to share with us or chat about? I actually had some questions. So like, yeah. <laughs> Love this. Let it rip. Let's go. We can switch out the roads a little bit. Yeah. So- yeah. <laughs> so you told me how you met Trevor just like a few months back when you went to New York. So how did you guys come up with the idea of starting this podcast? Oh, I love this. We're being interviewed <laughs> on our own podcast. <laughs> Go, shoot, uh, start. Me? Okay. So, yeah. So Fran and I, I think Fran and I met 2021 fall, okay. um, if I remember correctly. And it was random. So she started after I started and basically what ended up happening was we someone one of her boss at the time who i'd met with when i was interviewing was just like oh fran's starting soon she's amazing i worked with her before you should meet with her i was like okay um and i think we we were gonna meet but we had to cancel or something or i canceled on her and then we met and we were just talking about stuff um and we realized we were very passionate about like creating like positive change 
in like organizations that we were a part of where we were like, oh, like this process could be better. And this, we were just, it was a tangent. It was like a random conversation. Mm -hmm. This is literally like we met and we were just talking about ways we can improve. Um, and okay, friend, if I'm hijacking the story, you can interject or like stop me. Um, but so then we basically started like talking about that. And then we actually were like, you know what? We can actually make a program for all of like tech TA and we're like, let's go to the leadership and talk to them about it. Cause we, we have like this idea of how we're going to improve talent acquisition within the company. And, uh, we did that and they were like, oh my gosh, we love it. And the leader, uh, the, the leader that was there at the time, uh, his name is Straz. He was like, all right, run with it. Right. And it was like, just, you got like, y'all put it together and create something, right. Create a program. And that was me. That was how me and Fran became friends. So we were working together on that project um, and it was um, it was really cool because we got to know each other and got to figure things out. But it's also like we were pretty much strangers when we started it, essentially. Right. It was uh, we had just met and within, I think, a month and a month and a half, we were already starting that project together. Uh, it was relatively successful. We presented it to leadership. They loved it. We started implementing it. Um, and then, and that was, that was cool. We and then I would say off. probably, yeah, we, we kicked it off and then there was a few other, there are a few snags and that's fine. Like it was still, I would still call it a success. Um, and then after that, we, um, were just talking and one day independently, ironically enough, this was very independent. Um, one day we come to each other and I, we were, I was, we were like talking about, Oh, is there like a podcast for recruiters? And we, we, I was like, I don't think so. And then Fran was like, well, I was just thinking about that. I was like, I was just thinking about that. Um, but we didn't want it to be about just recruiting because we felt like we had experience on both ends of the spectrum. So we mm -hmm. opened it up and that's why we, that's where Dear Tech came from because we were like, we can be the inside, you know, HR slash recruiting people, but we can speak to the masses and also speak outside of that world. You know, kind of what we did with you in terms of what is the environment like? What is the trends? What is all those things? Um, and I think that's, that's what started this friend. Is that how you remember it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. I think for both of us, like we, it, it's similar to what you were talking about to have with the product space, like seeing the impact of your work and also being able to like impact at scale. Like both Shubo and I, like we mentor students and we like work with people on a lot smaller scale where we feel like we're able to create that roadmap for those coming up behind us but it's not necessarily at a scale like we could make where we could make a larger impact. And that's, I think what we're really hoping for with Dear Tech and this podcast is being able to have a larger impact um, with the work that we do. Okay. I, I love to hear that. That's a really great goal. That's, that's a good yeah. story. You guys are what, eight episodes in nine episodes in this is, I think mm, as as we release, yeah. yeah, as as we've released so far, I think we've released eight. I think we've recorded a, a dozen. Oh. This is this is number. This will be number twelve. This will be number twelve. So this is the twelfth one we've recorded. Uh, which, which actually, that's a lie. We've recorded more, but these, this is the twelfth that we've recorded that we're going to actually release because we recorded a few in the beginning that we threw out. Okay, okay, that's fair. After 12, do you go to just 14 or will you have a number 13? Well? <laughs> That's a good question. You know, I, I lived know. in an apartment building that didn't have the number 13. It went from 12th floor to 14th floor. I've seen that. I've seen that in a lot of buildings. And 
I was just shocked initially. I, I just thought I was confused. I'm like, yeah. oh no, I cannot find it. I cannot find the button. They just did not yeah. have a 30. Yeah. yeah, it's usually older buildings, but question. it's funny because you'd think that they'd fix it at some point, but they don't. They're like, nope, this is the this is what it is. This building's here. It's been here. We're gonna keep it that way. Just um, stick with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, any? Do you have any other questions for us? Um, I think one little thing, which I did not bring up before, but to the listeners out there, if you guys are doing internships, please, please, please reach out to people at your company and I don't mean just the people you're working with but everyone I used to I still do this I have an excel sheet with everyone I talk to and in both my internships it was like over 50 people I do everything I put their names down how do I know them who recommended me to reach out to them their LinkedIn their position as well as the last day when we interacted because that helps me follow love up that organization that. wow yeah love yeah, that it's... level of organization <laughs> over communication helps even to myself because like if i'm gonna go into the meeting i better be prepared if i'm talking to someone i i need to name drop because that's for credibility x person told me to come talk to you not that i think you're a good resource but x person is the person who told me to come talk to you so that builds a connection already we both knew, know the same person i think little things like that end up helping a lot networking is the key and network with the intent of adding value rather than getting value. I think Oof. that's the most important that's thing. That's a gem right there. That's, that's your tagline put, right there. Yeah. Right? Put that on a t-shirt. Holy a t-shirt, yeah. shit. That is, that's, I, you know, there's a question that we have. Uh, it's not a part of our uh, Fast Fives, but we wanted to, that, that I mentioned to Fran earlier. Like if you were going to put one thing on a billboard, what would it be? And that, I mean, I'm stealing that one because that is, that. That gave me a physical reaction. That made me so excited. I love that. That, that was good. We'll quote you. Yeah, <laughs> right? Thank you. Please, please. I would love to see my name on the t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's phenomenal. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's great advice, though, 100%. That's a really good perspective. And um, if anyone in the future is trying to reach out to that, then hit them up on LinkedIn and reference this episode. And I'm sure right? it will help yeah. your cause. You got it. Um. <laughs> All right. So Dear Tech FAQs. So that's what we call our Fast Five. So it's five um, random, not random, but five questions that we ask every guest. They do change from time to time, but these haven't changed in a while. Um, and you just on the spot and let's see, you know, let's see what we get. Um, all right. So what is the best advice you have ever received for someone from someone? Be honest with your inter- intentions and the actions will follow. I think that's the best advice I've heard so far. Mm. Who, who gave you that advice? Um, it was my math teacher back in mm. ninth. So they had just realized how I, I did not. I used to skip all my steps. So when we were solving a sum, they would ask me to write down a half a page answer. I would just skip the first six steps and just write the mm. question and the Show answer. Yes. And, and they told me how I should just intend to communicate. Just, just show them not because, not, not, not because they don't think that I'm copying, but just to show what I have done. I need to represent it. I need to communicate, and that's how it just came up, and it just stuck with me. Be honest mm-hmm. with your intention, and the action will follow. Oof, I love it. All right, love um, wh- <laughs> I love that. That's a quote. And the second question is, what is your favorite quote or saying? 
favorite quote or so he's already given us two quotes so this is the third quote that that dave's gonna give us um i use this i use this recently on my most recent apm apm uh post which i did recently the apm series um it went social capital is the new gold add value to others value others and you will be valued and i remember it line to line because i just used it but i think i i, I just read it as well that's really good i think that's pure gold out there Social oh. capital, definitely up there. That's, We're gonna pull you in for some future branding on our swag. Yeah, right. Honestly, okay. <laughs> uh, uh, it's gonna be great. Um, what is the best thing you've ever been gifted? What is the best present you've ever received? Huh. That's 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 a good question. I wish I had that mug in my hand, but it's it's in my dishwasher <laughs> right now. I think. So my freshman, uh, my sophomore year, when I interned first at Yahoo, um, at the end of the internship, I asked for my manager's Giovanni. Gio was my manager back then. I asked for his his address, and he asked me for mine. And we both gifted each other mugs. And the mug which he gifted me said something like, um, "I'm a product manager because being a full time ninja is not a real job." Something like that. <laughs> That's so great. <laughs> That was that touched my heart. That was really good. Aww. My That's most sweet. prized possession. What did yours oh, say to hit? What was there a saying on yours that you sent to Gio? It said "World's best boss." From the office. It's from the office. Michael Scott. I love it. It's a. It's better when you don't buy it for yourself, right? Like it's, uh, <laughs> I love that. Um, all right. What is a guilty pleasure of yours besides stalking people on LinkedIn? <laughs> TikTok, uh, TikTok, TikTok, definitely. TikTok, I, okay. I've I've gone through rabbit holes where I'd just be going on on hours looking at things which don't really matter, but just in that moment, that's 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 the only thing which I want to know. I feel like that's that's a guilty pleasure for sure. You're not alone. You're not alone at all. Um, the algorithm gets us, dude. It's so dangerous, man. Algorithm's so dangerous. You if you share one thing, it's done. Like that's all you're gonna get came over if i yeah. talk to you today about something they're already listening i'm yeah. gonna i'm gonna make a machine tiktoks later yeah. in the day I'm <laughs> they heard it oh God, that's it's bad that's why we uh that's why we're doing interviews with people so we can mention it near their phones and then dear tech po- podcast is in everyone's phones that's the goal uh, right. all these smart devices should be hearing this right now working the system <laughs> Work in the system. Um, last question, last FAQ. Uh, what is one piece of advice you would give someone who's trying to get into your field? Don't be afraid to ask for help. Product management is a field which we don't have a lot of information out there. We don't have a lot of set defined paths for people to bring into product. So don't be afraid. Just if you think you like it, just ask questions, ask for help. There's, there's a whole community of people who is out here to support you. I do coffee chats as well. If you want to talk to me, come talk to me. Talking to people is the only way you will actually understand if you're cut out for this or not. I think that would be it. Love that. Love that. Love All right. That. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Seb. This was an awesome conversation. Um, it was really cool to reconnect with you again. And I'm sure everyone's going to learn so much from this episode. If you want to reach out to them, follow, um, maybe hit him up on LinkedIn and follow some of the tactics that he shared in this episode and maybe he'll respond to you. 
um, for some advice and follow his series. But thank you all so much for joining. This was an awesome episode.